Is this thing on? Okay. Appropriate that, isn't it? This instrument for this event. Welcome to episode number 27 of the Coffee and Carving Show. Today we have the fantastic Vic Hood, a legendary woodcarver who I've been a fan of for about as long as I've liked woodcarving. No, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Right no, here. this is uh and also our very first guest ever. Yes. Hey. Hey. It's always nice to be number one. That's right. There you go. Now, before we go on, I, I have to say a pair of cows were talking in the field. One says to the other, Have you heard about the mad cow disease? Yeah, the other cow says, makes me glad I'm a penguin. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> you, you have to think about that one. I don't. Mad cow, penguin. Mad cow. No, no, okay. no. I got it, I got yeah. it Doug. Yeah. There you go, Vic. All right, uh, one more. A teenager brings her new boyfriend home to meet her parents. They're appalled by his haircut, his tattoos, and his piercings. Later, the girl's mom says, "Dear, he doesn't seem like to be a very nice boy." Oh, please, mom, says the daughter. If he wasn't nice, would he be doing 500 hours of community service? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Horrible jokes. That's all I got. Oh. <laughs> right, right in the garbage. Back to the... Back to the, uh, <laughs> the pick and stitch. Okay, for audio, what, what, what do you got in your hand there, Alec? I have a pick and stick. I was in the Ozark Mountains for a wood carving seminar this past weekend. And this was given to me by one of the students. It's a strange uh, instrument, acoustic instrument, that's kind of like a, well, what is it closest to? Vic? Dulcimer. It's like a dulcimer. It, it seems to me, it looks like a, like a strum stick. Yeah, it's a strum stick. It's, it's pretty cool. This one's uh, a little rough, but I'll take it. Yeah, it's fun. It's cool. So, well, explain to us where you, where you are and uh, what you've been up to. This is the uh, Ozark Wood Carving Seminar. It's uh, something that they host here every year at this time of the year, and I've never been. I've always wanted to. Uh, John Engler puts it on, and uh, we have a big room full of wood carvers. I mean, we've got almost every genre. We've got relief carving. We've got bird carving with Josh Googie. Is that how you say his name? That's right. Mm -hmm. We've got uh, Vic Hood's class here carving uh, life-size busts. And if you look, I don't know if you can see behind Vic, you probably can't. Maybe if I lift you for all those visual people. He's doing literally full-size busts. That one's covered by uh, a plastic bag to keep it from cracking, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's, uh, it's super fun. Every day we've been going on a little tour to see what everyone's working on. And it's been awesome. We got Janet Cordell doing... Uh, a whole a variety of different types of carvings, bus, uh, horses, saddles, um, a number of other things. We've got a lot of really great stuff happening. So, I mean, there's, that's just to name a few. So, Well, you're in good company. I am. It's really nice to have all the instructors in one room because I can get, you know, having ADHD, I can just run around and start talking to random instructors and students. And it's great. Well, I think this is probably right now has some of the best instructors in the country here. Yeah. And I mean, 
really every instructor at this is a uh, an exceptional instructor. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely true. Yeah, no, no. sounds so great. That's uh, as far as coffee. Neither of us we don't have any coffee, do we? No, no. We've had coffee. We've had coffee though. Do you have coffee this morning? No, I haven't had coffee today. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I've had probably five. Co- I've had enough to make up for both of us. Wow, Doug doesn't even have a coffee. This this is called the Coffee and Carving Show. Canada, Canada Dry and Carving Show today. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, I haven't had any coffee in the last couple hours. So we'll be sleeping well tonight. Uh, but really, I guess is getting right into the what we've been up to thing. Uh, that's what we're up to. What about you, Doug? I'm just back uh, from a camping trip. I spent uh, four days in a yurt. All right. A little bit uh, north of me here, and uh, it was great. Right Where I am right now at home, like uh, very little snow left. Uh-huh. And uh, driving north, it's just like we hit a wall, and I spent the weekend right in total winter. Right. Yeah, we uh, we've we've seen. In fact, on a Saturday, there was there was really no no hiking. Okay. We lose it. <laughs> a little bit of a connection problem. There we go. Now we're back. Is it is we're it made back. of brick, Doug? Is the yurt made of fabric? I can't hear you. Is the yurt oh, made there of fabric? It's uh yeah it's it's a uh, fabric and it's got like a like a bubble a bu- bubble wrap inside like a tin foil to re- to re- reflect the heat in so it's it, it held the heat really well. Huh. Have you ever so, been in a yurt? No, I never have. I didn't even know what a yurt was until he told me about it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So one of well, the- I was I was say- I was saying on a on the on the weekend like the one day on Saturday we couldn't even uh, couldn't even go for a hike or we'd be lost in the in the blizzard. Really. It was just oh yeah, it was crazy snow. We probably had uh, you know six six inches plus just in the afternoon that one day. So I sat in there and whittled away the day, and uh, it was great. It was great. Here's one one fun one quick funny story. Uh, you know how we always talk about art and how I'm not an artist and you are. We don't talk. You say that. I don't say that. <laughs> and, uh, I disagree strongly. <laughs> It was funny that, uh, and uh, my cousin's friend, and uh, turns out he wrote a book about uh, art and creativity, huh. and he's like a professor. Huh. So it was a it was an interesting uh, weekend talking, and uh, he's reading his book. So I'll be uh, we'll be uh, updating you later on that. But uh, yeah, pretty cool. Quite a coincidence, to be honest. Yeah. It is, and it's interesting too because um, Vic is also, aside from teaching wood carving, he, he was a professor. Um, taught, uh, didn't you study anthropology and you taught uh, archaeology or pa- taught, paleontology? Oh, taught archaeology, anthropology, and human paleontology. Human paleontology. Yeah. Oh. In one semester? Yeah. No. All no. in the same classroom. All in the same classroom. Oh, okay. That's a People busy got confused. Oh. <laughs> so if if this carving thing doesn't work out for you, Vic, you can always go back. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. He's really struggling. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. Uh, 
little known guy. Well, let's, uh, yeah, well, let's jump right in on uh, on Vic here. And uh, what's your what's the what's your story, Vic? Like, uh, how'd you how'd you get started? Uh, <clears throat> well, uh, I wanted a, a cigar store Indian for my shop workshop, and I didn't know where to buy one, and I probably couldn't afford one if I found it, so. I decided uh, I'll just make it. And uh, so I started making a cigar store Indian and it turned out really, really bad. (laughs) (laughs) And so I tried again and it turned out really, really bad. Yeah. Like six feet tall and a lot of work at them, but they were awful. And so uh, I decided just to do the bus portion and I started working trying to get better at that and uh, as i got better at that i i uh, <clears throat> i just uh, got interested in other things so i carve all kinds of subject matter yeah well i i went uh, on your website you're into bark and chainsaws and pumpkins and you, you carve everything carve everything every style of everything right <laughs> it's true it's a, it's amazing amazing work well thank you so you just got started a couple years ago was it yeah it's be uh, i think my 29th year carving 29 there you go i started late in life i was uh, 44 when i started so Uh, when alec gets to be your age he'll be as good then oh better he already is (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's uh very good very good so you, you carve all these things. So you're teaching bus carving this week. Right. right. Mm-hmm. That's what I mostly teach. I, I travel around the country teaching bus carving and mask carving. So okay. you know, it, it, uh, as long as it has something to do with the human face, yeah. that's what I'm into. And um, I've, I've studied the human face pretty hard for 29 years. Yeah. I'm about to learn something. <laughs> hey, never, never quit learning. You never, no. If some no, of the things uh, that I found to be interesting, I worked so hard for so long to make things anatomically correct, and now I'm finding that those things that are anatomically correct and perfect are uninteresting. You really need to have something about the piece that gives it some pizzazz and a lot of times that pizzazz comes from from uh, uh, asymmetry and it comes from you know not making things perfectly correct yeah. Uh, yeah. but it has to be done so in, in just the right way or it'll look like it's a mistake yeah you have to understand the real anatomy to be able to create those kinds of uh, deviations so uh, it's probably fair to say you you're, you uh, you carve more realism. You don't really do much uh, much goofs, no, not much uh, characterism. You're you're pretty. Uh, yeah, I pretty much stay with realistic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Human carving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I enjoy doing most, and that's what yeah. I'm still learning. Well, aside from wood carving, uh, Doug. Um, Vic has an incredible uh, story about the uh, kind of a sad story, but the day he became a hero 
And I was just curious if you could tell that. I figured Doug would want to know about that. Yeah, I figured everybody knew the day I became a hero. I I was uh, carving in uh, Converse, Indiana, and the Converse and the Converse group up there, they uh they own a ten thousand square foot building that has no, it's sorry thirty thousand square foot building. It's ten thousand square feet per floor, and they have three floors. And the carving club bought that building for a dollar from the city of Converse, Indiana. And with a promise that they'd fix it up, which they've been doing, they've been fixing it up and they've been getting grants and, you know, all kinds of things. So it's, it's really uh, helped out a lot. That's one of your books. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, I was there. <laughs> I, I was there teaching the class. And the place rolls up at night. Uh, at six o'clock, everything shuts down. So I decided to go for a walk. And I walked down the street, and I noticed huge billowing clouds around the corner. And I stuck my head around the corner and looked, and all these people were standing out in the street, pointing up, going, talking to each other. And I was like, wow, wonder what's going on. So I walked down there, and I got up next to this guy. I says, what's going on? He said, there's a little girl up there on the third floor. She can't get out. And I went, what? But won't somebody go get her? And he said, and but I just took off running. I ran inside the building, got to the staircase, and the fire was starting right there at the staircase. It was starting to billow up a little bit. So I took off running up that staircase, three stories. And uh, I ran down the hall and kept looking in the rooms, trying to find which room she was in. And when I got there, I grabbed her up like a sack of potatoes and I took off running. And I ran back down the hall. And as I got to the staircase, it collapsed. I said, oh, my God, we're in trouble now. How, how are we going to get out? How are we going to get out? I didn't have a clue. And so I thought, oh, this is a historic building. It's probably got one of those old time canopies because it was an old hotel. So it's got these one of these old canopies in there. So I said, maybe. So I ran on down the hall and then went in and opened up the window, which was horrible. Well, it wasn't a mistake, but it was a horrible situation because as soon as I opened up the window, all that, all the terrible smoke, and it was just, you couldn't hardly breathe. So I looked out and sure enough, there was a canopy down there three stories down. So <laughs> I'm going like, oh my God. And uh, so I got out on that ledge of the seal of that window and I scooted out to the very edge of it. And I reached around, grabbed that little girl. And I said, honey, you got to hang on to me as hard as you can, because this is going to be a terrible, terrible stop. We're gonna, I'm going to jump onto that canopy down there. Cause I think that's the only chance we got. I mean, the, building was completely engulfed by this time so i closed my eyes and i scooted to the edge it took all the nerve i had to push off and i did and i landed on that canopy and my right leg went punched right through it and my left leg must have hit something because it bounced up and it bounced her up in the air and by this time the fireman had arrived and the fireman caught her so 
they got me down from there and I could barely walk. My knee was killing me. I couldn't hardly walk. And so I walked on back to the my room and spent the night agonizing over it because I didn't have any any uh, pain medicine with me at all. And I got up the next morning and went across the street to a little restaurant and there was one of these little newspaper stands out front. Had a picture that fireman carrying that little girl and the headline says fireman saves little girl and all i got was a bum knee out of that <laughs> <laughs> oh dear yeah that's, that's how terrible. you tell a joke alec well, there was also a situation surrounding, um, well, there, there's a, a few things that you had mentioned to me before, but uh, I, you were you, you were introduced to a, a NASA scientist. Oh, no, no, no. No? I was the scientist. Okay. I was a, I was a rocket scientist for a day. I, <laughs> my daughter had been going to NASA camp. She had these, bought me a NASA hat. And I was working in Arizona, restoring Fort Apache and um, John Hopkins' first hospital ward. And uh, so it was, it was a pretty, pretty cool project. But anyway, I was flying back and forth about Arizona. And I, I was wearing that hat and I was swinging down in my seat in the airplane. And the lady said, oh, you work for NASA. I said, yes, ma'am, I do. I'm a rocket scientist. And I said it like that, thinking that she'd think it was funny, but she didn't crack a smile. <laughs> and so I said, eh, actually, I'm not a rocket scientist. Uh, I make liquid metal fuels for the aerospace industry. And she seemed to get real interested in that and started asking me questions. I said, oh, yeah, this is, uh, uh, this is part of the LMFBR project, the liquid metal fast breeder reactor. <laughs> and uh, she said, really? I said, yeah, the CRBRP program, you know, the one there having there in Oak Ridge. Uh, and we got to talking about it. She asked all kinds of questions. I was telling her, oh, we're having to use that old crappy uranium-238. We, You know, they had that reactor there back when they made the first atomic bomb, but they were using uranium-238. And of course, they're moved way on past 238, 235, other types of plutonium now. But we have to use that old junk because we're just, you know, we're the stepchild of the uh, research departments and stuff. And I told her that I went to work in a in a uh, a place we call the criticality facility. And this was the worst part because I have no idea what I was talking about. And I said, in the criticality facility, uh, what we do is we we take beryllium and bring it to critical mass using the uranium two thirty eight, and uh, we you know, do the combination to try to make liquid metal fuels that way with beryllium. And uh, she goes, really? You know, she got real kind of going up and kept asking the questions. I said, yeah, the reason it was way back in the hills there is so if it got away from us, the explosion would be contained somewhat. You know, of course, it would contaminate all of Oak Ridge, but, you know, it would nobody would get burned to death. But anyway, that's that's what I do. She said, "Oh, you work in that facility? That must must really be nice and on and on." We talked forever. I forgot everything you said, but 
toward the end of this, she said, you know, I'm a NASA contractor and I've never heard of this before. <laughs> and I was going to tell her I was just joking up until she said that. Then I had to double down. <laughs> I said, well, you know, what I do is not a, it's not top secret or anything like that. It's a, it's a new program. I'm not surprised you hadn't heard a word about it. And then I shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the day I became a rocket scientist. Oh man, I like to entertain well, myself sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, you definitely uh, pull that off. Yeah, if it was, if I had met someone like that, they'd have been uh, the first word out of my mouth. She would have laughed because she'd look at my face and she'd go, "No, you're not." Yeah, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're well, <laughs> well, see, the thing that makes it work is using acronyms like. LFMBR and just having it roll off your tongue. LFMBR, liquid metal fast breeder reactor. <laughs> if, you can, oh, if you can do things like that, you know, you can make these stories work. Yeah. Well, you were also working, you said in Fort Lauderdale, was it? No, no. Georgia. No. Georgia. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. And you were doing restoration project. That's part of mm -hmm. what you do is yeah. uh, leather. Is it leatherwood? Leatherwood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And part of that is restoring very important historic buildings. You've, you've restored buildings such as the White House. I've worked on it. You've worked on the White House. A little bit. Yeah. I've, I've, done, I've done several presidential homes, national monuments, national landmarks. Um, uh, so, yeah, I've worked on a lot. National treasures. I've worked on some national treasures projects. Uh, I've worked all over the country doing that. That's incredible. So what do, what does that entail? Well, everything. You know, a historic building. It's everything from the foundation to the roof. I mean, what we do, what makes us special is we understand 18th and 19th century technology and the difference between, like, for example, if you were to have a, a curve mark on a board, the marks that left behind by the saw, if you have a curve mark left behind, it's a sash saw curve. You couldn't use a swedge head nail with that with those boards because the, it's technology that doesn't match. Yep. Yep. And, and you have, you know, throughout the 19th century, you had changes in technology, saw technology, paint technology, uh, metal technology, everything. Even mortar technology changed throughout the 19th century. And so uh, what we do is we can analyze that sort of thing and, and uh, reproduce it. Oh, but, but you're not putting lead paint on things again, are you? Are you? Oh, we're not doing things like that. When, we, when it comes to colors, what we do is microscopy analysis of the existing paint and chemical analysis as well. And we uh, find out what the initial constituents were and are able to reproduce the paint exactly as it was. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, put a lot of, uh, a lot of modern day carpenters to shame. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's not just a carpentry job. We're restoration specialists. Right. Right. We have to understand graining and marbleizing and all kinds of uh, finishes that were very common in the 18th and 19th century some of which you don't hear of anymore, like the use of gutta percha, uh, oil cloths, all that kind of stuff. You said there was a home that you 
uh, were asked to visit that had uh, some work and you'd notice something about it. Was it the wallpaper? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Bank of Boston uh, sent me a video and asked me if I was interested in doing some looking at their project. They had a house in uh, Bolivar, right outside of Bolivar, Tennessee. Grand Junction, that's what it was. A little town called Grand Junction. And I said, well, sure, I'll go look at it. And I went down there and found this incredible place. It was on uh, 18,000 acres of land, which had been cut down by, it was 28,000 acres originally, and they'd sold, sold off some of it for to help bolster a, um, a, a, a money market thing for the, to maintain it, you know. So a trust, I guess, basically. And the Bank of Boston was in charge of the trust. But I went in this, I met the doctor of pigs and the doctor of corn and all that. It was used as an agricultural experiment station. And it, uh, it was a great operation there. And these guys were really sharp, but they really didn't know anything about historic buildings. And uh, I went into the building and uh, looked around. And I said, my gosh. This is very expensive wallpaper. They said, yeah, we know it's, it's, it's really expensive. Somebody told us that, uh, I said, you, you really need to take care of this. And I pointed out a few things wrong with it. And I went into the next room and I like fell over because they had two repeats of a wallpaper known as La Grachaz. And La Grachaz won the gold medal award at the Crystal Palace exhibition in 1851. <laughs> And there were only two partial copies, two partial repeats, I should have said, uh, that uh, survived. And one of them is in Super Hewitt and the other is in the Louvre in Paris. Wow. And I said, I can't believe this is two full copies. There's not even a full copy known to exist in the world. And you've got two full copies of this. And uh, I said, man, this this is really important paper. Wow. They said, yeah, we, we thought it was it, it really good stuff. And I said, did you, that paper in the hall, did you know how expensive we're talking about? They said, oh, we thought it was worth probably $3,000. And I said, you're right. $3,000 a roll. And you've got about 20 rolls out there. <laughs> I said, this is some that's some expensive paper in the hall. And this, this is worth more than the house. And they went, you're kidding me. I said, no, this is like a Rembrandt of, of wallpaper. And uh, I said, it's, said, you hadn't had anybody touch it, have you? They said, well, we had a local artist come in and do some work on it. Uh, I, got, I, got, I got back to the office and I called uh, Veronique de Bunyak at the Museum de Architectes at the Louvre told her what I'd found and she couldn't hardly believe it. And uh, she got on a plane and came over. Really? <laughs> yeah. I took it down to this place and it was, you know, we went from interstate to state highway to county road to dirt road to get to this place. And when we got there, it, uh, she stepped in and it wasn't two seconds. She said, it's been changed. <laughs> I said, oh, my gosh. She said, yeah. I think she's the one who gave me the Rembrandt 
version. She said, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put a mustache on a Rembrandt painting. <laughs> somebody has, somebody has added this. And she said, see, there's a bird there. It's on this repeat. It's not on this one. That's a, it's on that one. And she kept going through the stuff, you know, pointing out the differences that they, they made and said, it's been damaged pretty bad. Incredible. <laughs> that's but that's the kind of stuff we know about, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're gonna call General Carpenter, I guess, and have him come in and say, you know, how about this? It's something we are familiar with the technology. Yeah. Imagine how much stuff has gone to the dump oh. for lack of not for lack of knowledge. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty remarkable. Pretty remarkable. Um, yeah. So that's just some of the low, you know, I could probably do that too. You know, I know a lot about wallpapers as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. I'm not trying to yeah. flex or anything. I'm a big wallpaper guy. Yeah. Yeah. You're more of a whiteboard guy. I'm more of a whiteboard guy. Uh, well i know that uh, you've authored the the book uh was it was it the uh, good to great yes good to great and good Carver. to great is is there any others that uh, you've done along the way i'm sorry have you have you uh done any other books or is, is that your uh in your wood book? carving yeah I, I did uh i did one called uh, carving found wood and uh that was a fairly successful uh book and yeah. so i've done this this one carving uh from good to great basically what i did was i took a um an intermediate uh a beginner intermediate and professional wood carver took their pieces and, and showed them how they could make them better now this is on the front here this is the uh beginner yep and this is what we can converted it into so. You 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 inspired me because I have this uh, this carving. I want to call it bad to better. Bad to better. What <laughs> <laughs> one of my old carvings? I look at it and I said I'm going to cut it in, in half and do one side how I would do it today and uh, put them back together because I'll call it bad to better on the video or something because it's just so <laughs> horrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've done a lot of horrible carvings myself. Yeah. yeah, but I worked at it very hard and gotten a little better. Yeah, I'm still working on it. Minor. I did. Uh, so I was talking to Doug. I was trying to decide what to do for uh, the carving school, and I was thinking about taking a, really taking from your book of taking something that isn't great and making it n not suck. And <laughs> and I started with a carving, and Doug said, "No." I started with a carving that I'd been working on already. He started carving that is my not even my level, better than my level. No, no, it wasn't that good. It yes, was, it was. It was, it was ridiculous. He, but he said, no, you need to. So I found the worst student carving that I could find online from from any of my students. None of the ones who are listening. Yeah. Uh, what, what was the name of that student? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, if I even make up a name, it's going to accidentally be the name of somebody listening. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Steve, Steve, <laughs> can't be a Steve, Steve. Anyway, the, uh, the and that made a big difference. I copied it. Uh, this student's carving exactly, 
and uh, you know, it's basically a smiley face. And I tried to improve it to some extent, but I uh, I recommend everyone pick this book up. It's a uh, it's a fantastic book. In fact, I was uh, I visited Vic's studio uh, um, to learn uh, from him and also to. Uh, to, to pick his brain on writing and such. And he was working on this book at the time. And it's, uh, it's a fantastic book. We looked over, I got to see it before you guys did. So, ha ha. <laughs> uh, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to find that. Yeah. What was your, uh, this is what I like to ask. What was your progression in carving? Like you started out, like you said, with the, uh, the cigar store Indian. Yeah. When did you when did you find your style after trying all these things like uh, the, so that you could uh, you know what I mean like uh, where, where when did you settle on how you carve? Okay, well that's a good question. What I did is uh, <clears throat> I started carving. I carved a lot. I carved three quarter size to full size bust more than one a week in the first year I, after I got really serious about it. And that was 75 in one year. And that was a lot of carving. And uh, during this time, I took a class from John Burke. Now, John Burke was a guy that traveled around the country teaching carving. He was a great artist, great carver. And I took a class from him. And the following year, he called me up and says, I'm going to be teaching classes in your area. I was wondering if you would be my assistant. And I was like, you got the right number? <laughs> you got the right guy? He said, yeah, you, you got potential to be great. I said, really? He said, yeah. So I want you to help me in my classes. So I started helping him with classes. And uh, I traveled with him for about five years, uh, traveling various and sundry places, teaching classes. And uh, during that process, uh, a lot of John rubbed off on me. And uh, I, um, uh, I guess, um, <laughs> uh, I guess that's how I developed my style, just practicing and, you know, taking some from John, taking some from other people. I mean, I even borrow ideas and information from, you know, people like Alex here, you know, it's just something that uh, you just pick up on. If you're going to be doing, yeah. if you're going to be doing uh, art, you, you you learn from others. Yep, yep. You know, I, I always ask that question because I'm only like uh, five or six years in the carving, and I'm still all over the map. I haven't uh, like just night and day from day to day, and uh, I haven't really found that little uh, thing. So I always ask people that it's a because when when people you know whose carvings they are, right? Like. Uh, when they develop their style and it's a, uh, it's just, it's just cool to see. Yeah. I've learned, uh, I've learned a lot from Vic and just seeing him, even just being next door here and seeing him teach and how he demonstrates and the, the way that he presents is uh, truly, it, it, it's fantastic. I mean, I think is the only thing that rivals his carving is teaching. Um, hmm. And that's why he has such a reputation, I think is, um, he's an incredible carver, but he's also uh, unusually also an incredible teacher, which you see a lot of times those things don't line up. Usually you have an incredible carver 
like Vic and you get him in a classroom and he's just not even there, but his, his ability to, to describe the processes and, and, and talking about design. And he's taught me a lot about um, even just the, uh, the like design, designing a, a carving, you know, making it interesting. Uh, that's been, yep. that's been important. Well, he seems very, uh, very personable and approachable. I really like the, uh, the overalls. Oh, well, thank you. That's, I'm catching a train a little later on. There you go. No, I love those. <laughs> Worst injury. Have Would you hurt your... Yep. Or I guess even... I just maybe nick myself a couple of times. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, Good for I'm you. Not, not had any stitches or impressive. anything like that. Of course, most of my work is mallet work. Very Two hand, yep. Very yep. Uh, blades off. Only time I ever get nicked is when I'm not paying attention, reaching for my tools. That's what I get so, cut. <laughs> I heard a story from a guy who was, does some mallet carving and, and uses large chisels, and he was dancing around. <laughs> this is Alex's story, and uh, dancing around and cut himself. <laughs> Why don't you share that story, Alec? Oh, great. Great idea. No, I really think we should focus on Vic. Uh, this is kind of, this is, I'd, I'd love to talk about myself. You know that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. That's okay. Good. I was dancing around, listening to some music, you know, kind of jamming to myself. I was like 17 or 18 years old and I had a uh -huh. 25 millimeter number three and I went right in my stomach with it. <laughs> you can, you can't uh, really see it on camera. But oh, little, I see it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There it is. Yeah. He's, he's still got a wound scar. <sighs> yeah. I'm yep. out. I can see the fatty tissue. Lovely. Yeah. It was nice. So I super glued yeah. it back together. Mm. That was it. Yeah. That's good. I'd be afraid I so, got organs or something. <laughs> <laughs> So what is your, uh, what is your, uh, your week look like? So you're teaching bus. Alec is teaching. What are you, what are you teaching Alec? Bark faces and bark faces and bark. And how long are you teaching it for? It's five days, five days. Yeah. Five days. Are these full days? They are very full. Yeah. Wow. We're a little early today. We cut off a little early today. To talk to you. Yep. <laughs> wow. Well, that seems like, uh, people are getting their money's worth then. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. I'd love to, I'd love to sit through a week of teaching. We're going to wrap it up. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're telling us we got to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, if that's a, if that's a wrap, then uh, it's good to meet you, Vic. And well, uh, you, Doug. I hope to uh, do so in person one day. I hope so too. Yeah. Maybe even Alec. <laughs> We've still never met him and I. Is that true? Yeah. 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 We've recorded wow. 27 podcasts together and we've not met. Yeah. So yeah. and, like and uh the desire is uh getting less and less. Less and less. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I agree. <laughs> well, thank you again, Vic. Appreciate you All taking right. the time out of your uh your dinner to yeah. meet with us. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks, Vic. All right. All right. You guys take care. All right, see ya. Mm, bye bye. <laughs> take your vitamins and we're back from the interview with Vic Hood what a great guy yeah he's a funny dude how and, did uh, 
Full story. He's, he's a fun dude. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you. I bet you. You could talk for hours with him. It's but it's true. I spent. We, we, we don't. Film, we were supposed to spend three days together filming, and uh, for for a video shooting, and we spent uh, six together. Just stories, man. Stories on stories. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sad now because now you uh, you don't have your string instrument to bring us into the ready one two three mailbag. mailbag. That was good. I at even my counted end, it down. Determine now is more important because <laughs> of the lag. That's good. That's good. What do we got for the What do we got for the mailbag? While you're digging up the mailbag, yeah, I'm go going to uh, shout out our coffee heroes. Of course, oh, yeah. our anonymous coffee hero. That uh, purchase coffee and uh, Glennie's, Glennie's Riley. Uh, Glenn, sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. I'm not sure if it's Glennis or Glennie's. Hmm. It's a different name. It is. I like it. I just don't know how to say it. But uh, yeah, thanks for those who uh, hit that uh, buy us a coffee button. And uh, that just helps keep the show going. Hmm. What do you got in the mailbag there, Alec? All right, so we've got some nice comments. I'm going to focus on the questions because there are some good ones here. Um, good. My favorite one, uh, I will say, I have to say, is from our good friend Ed Wolfstag. Um, but oh, yes. I, I, hate to, I hate to say that when I haven't gotten to his email yet. But uh, we're going to start with Doug. Um, he says, hello, Alice. Heck of a name you've got there, Doug. Really enjoy listening to your banter. If you're looking for something other than your to-go coffees, add a bit of Crown Royal and a scoop of French vanilla ice cream. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, in regards to the latest podcast, wondering if either you have if either of you have used the Carvin Jack by FlexCut. Um, and actually, we did address this in one of the podcasts. Did we not? Yep. Yeah, I've mentioned it in the past. Yeah. Uh I had the I didn't have the the multi tool one, but I did have the uh, the whittlers with the two knife. Mm -hmm. But same as uh, I said earlier, I'm not a pocket knife guy mm -hmm. or or a gadget knife guy. That's my own personal opinion or feelings. Like a lot of people use them, they love them, and I got nothing bad to say about it. I just yeah. don't. I just prefer a uh, a uh, full full handle. Right. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I mean, if it's all you have and you're camping, that's good. Sure, sure. Yeah, that roll, I think that roll is a better option, though, from FlexCut. Yep. With the interchangeable handles. Oh, I got a story about that. Yeah. So I uh, I put out that video this week. Yeah. About the uh, the tool roll. And maybe I'm a, a, a fuddy-duddy, but I put that video up, and then I took it down after four <laughs> days. Why? I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. I, 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 the video before that was the uh, carving the Irishman, which I thought was entertaining, skillful, yeah. skillful with air quotes, but it was, a, it was a good video. Right. And I put out this cheaper tool roll yeah. and it blew that video out of the water in three days. <laughs> right. And I got thinking after I've never I don't want to sell tools yeah. for companies. I, I I don't know what it was. I want to I want the channel to be about the carving and yep. not about tools. And it just remember I held the video. Yeah. 
because I had made the video like two or three weeks earlier and I held the video saying I didn't know I didn't feel right about putting it out. But then I was going camping and I thought, I'll just put it out. And I added a couple clips to it. Mm-hmm. And then all weekend I was like, it just didn't feel right. And I just took it down. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. people are going, what should I buy? What should I? just relax? Mm-hmm. Like, and if you do buy it, I'm not promising that I'm going to give you tutorials using the FlexCut tool system. It's right. just tools again. That's right. And I, I want the channel to be about the carving. So I took it down and uh, I don't know. I just kind of felt weird about it. So, Hey, that's all right. You know, stick by, uh, stick by your ethic, I guess. Right. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. But Sorry. I interrupted right in the middle of mailbag. No, my dad's the same way. He won't even wear a t-shirt with a logo brand on it because he feels like he's giving them free advertisement and he hates yeah. it. Yeah. It's like and I'm not like, I'm not against supporting a company. It was just that it's just yeah, it was it was it was it, people want to buy. Right. They always want to buy and, and I I say learn, learn. Yeah. You'll see you'll know what you need when yeah. the time comes, but I was giving an alternative. I know it was an affordable alternative and I will be using the tools, but uh, yeah, it just didn't uh, just didn't feel right. Hmm. So anyway, that's it. So Ed Wolfstag, uh, <laughs> he says, "Welcome to the Coffee and Carving Show, where Alec plays the guitar and Doug tries to guess what segment of the show is coming next." Next, and also, no goats. Um, comment, uh, Doug. You mentioned that the eyes uh, on your bark carvings are painted they're amazing bordering on freaky especially the irishman i've never thought too much about painting carvings before but you've inspired me to give it a shot um some other comments here but right right to the question did you have anything you wanted to say about that no 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 i uh i i tend to paint the uh the eyes because i'm not a good eye carver (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've, been, I've been practicing the last one i did i carved the eyes but uh yeah. no i do like the eyes and he's right and i don't know how sometimes they just work you know that one when you and here's the thing you didn't really show it up that show it that close up to the camera but when you did yeah. put it up to that camera it was like holy cow those eyes are like piercing like you put yeah it, I, it with you I don't. It's Sophie scammed it for uh, St. Patrick's Day decorations, but uh, no, it's just it's it's adding. It's more than just one color. That's the whole thing, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) It's a it's a giving a giving depth and shadows and and brightness to the eye. So it's just mixing some some paint colors for transitioning the color. I think that's that's the secret. But what do I know about that? But it, it worked out so. Well, it works for you. So you know more than me. Um, question to Doug, and I'm also very curious about the answer to this. Um, he says, when Alec pulled out the bug out bag, did it spark any feelings of nostalgia for the bushcraft days? Maybe when the pandemic is over, you could meet Alec for an overnight and have a coffee and carving campfire episode. Um, anyway. It might be interesting to see how many things you know slash take for granted that would be new knowledge to Alec. And I take this, Ed, as you saying that I don't know anything about camping, which that sounds like what he's saying. Yeah, he would be right. Yeah. Yeah. That's where my my head is at right now, to be honest. I 
like I uh, missed out on the uh, Ontario gathering of uh, bushcrafters this weekend because I chose to go to the yurt. And <laughs> that's where my 50-year-old self is now. I am very into uh, the idea of the uh, campfire carving and coffee. Yeah. But as far as uh, wanting to go back in the bushcraft and uh, sleep in a pile of wet leaves, eh, I'm good. I, but I did it though, eh? I did it. Yeah. Like I, I did it for years and years and, and, and I think I, I might be past that a little bit. So sure. yeah. I think that's fair. It is. Seasons, season for everything. That's right. Uh, question for me. Do you think your bag was inspired by some of Doug's bushcraft videos you've watched? Um, to be honest, I got excited when I read this email because I didn't know you had bushcraft bug out bag videos but then i thought i don't think they're gonna be up if he has them no no i took them all down dang yeah Yeah, actually that was mostly my my first channel too but i i wasn't the bug out bag mentality is so american is it yeah it's very very american yeah like canadians might have a, a a safety bag safety kit but we don't call it a bug out bag we don't have a you know, machine guns with extra clips packed under our seat and for the apocalypse, you know, like it's a, it is American mentality. And I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not poking fun. I just know I've been around those guys and it's, uh, they're pretty hardcore with the bug out bags and, uh, surviving out of their bags. That's true. Yeah. We're a different breed. Americans. We like to, uh, we like to, I don't know what to say. We like it. We like to do it big. That's all I know. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Doug has for sure knowing Doug has uh maybe subliminally it has influenced me towards spending more time on bushcraft. But the truth is I've known wood carving Doug. I haven't really known bushcraft Doug. Mm-hmm. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it sounds like Ed, you know Bushcraft Doug, and I I didn't get to meet that Doug. So um Anyway, he talks about videos that you and uh, Joe and Sean did, and he's been trying not to buy a pack raft for months um, with every intention of buying the flex cut tools that you talked about. Um, Also, he bought the complete book of wood carving that I recommended. So that's very cool. Um, Okay, so she has a quick story, which I feel the need to share because it's a Related to the last thing we talked about um, on episode 26 or 7. I can't remember which it was. Um, story time about fear, if you want. The lady was afraid of mice. Well, I had a male coworker that was afraid of spiders. We used to make fun of him for it, but one day took someone took it a bit further. Someone arranged the papers on his desk so that when he moved his mouse um, he moved his mouse. A bunch of those cheap plastic Halloween spiders fell out from under papers onto his hand. He screamed and jumped out of his chair and was in such a panic that he fainted and hit his head. We had to call the ambulance. Oh my goodness. <laughs> there was an investigation and no one, no one knew who did it, but we were told it was grounds for termination. Bottom line. <laughs> Fear is real, and you never know when a harmless prank can backfire and seriously harm someone. 
That's why you, you need to be the, the sleeper prankster. Like, be the one that nobody would ever expect. Yes. And just enjoy it from a distance. Right? The homie whacked his head so hard that he fainted <laughs> and they had to call the ambulance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, well, this got wicked long. Keep up the great work. Um, oh, well, there's probably there's probably somebody there's probably somebody in the office that's known, and he'll be the first one to be blamed immediately, right? Yes. So I say, be be the odd guy out, yeah. and and just sit back and say, me, not me. No, no. You want to be the the uh, the straight guy who low key does stuff that's kind of quirky. Like yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, one last thing, Doug, are you going to do an update video on the face that you carved into the tree? Which I'm very curious about this too, because I have to imagine that over years, that thing is going to start to suck in and get all. Yes, but weird. Ed, we have to wait. Yeah. <laughs> People want an update video the month after. <laughs> I, I think I did that in August. So I'm thinking like uh, we got to give it at least a year. Yeah. So maybe, maybe this, maybe late summer. Yeah. Yeah, I'm de- like I said, I'm definitely going to do it yeah. for all the people that told me I was going, I was killing the tree and uh, I should be cut down myself and <laughs> all those comments. I definitely have to do an update video, but I, I need to give the time to actually heal and uh, look cool. Yeah, yeah, that'll be awesome. Anyway, quick side again, when I look at that tree spirit now, I wish I had carved it differently. You remember what I said every couple of months, I look at my things I did even a month ago and said, oh, now I do things a little yeah. bit differently. I wish I, I may even go back and, and work on his cheeks mm-hmm. because I had the, I had the beard tying into the mustache higher. Mm. So, so the mustache was like on top of the beard instead of uh, that nice little uh, cheek. But anyway, that's on the side. Yeah, no, that's uh that's how it is. That's why I can't keep any carvings at all. Yeah. Studio. Or yeah. House. No, I, 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 I get it. I get it. So what else you got there? That's it. That's basically it for the mailbag. That's the mailbag. That's the mailbag. Well, that wasn't so bad. No, it wasn't. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, seeing how our, our, uh, interview with victor and out yeah and uh hopefully the audio wasn't too bad there were there was a lot of people milling around and talking well share what was going on in the background that uh people were coming up trying to get books signed and (laughs) and yeah asking about for supper and oh yeah no these two different groups of people yeah two different groups of people walked up to him while we were filming the podcast with a warning, someone coming up to him and saying, hey, they're recording a podcast right now. They yeah. still came up anyway, because I feel like these people, maybe they were older and just didn't know what a podcast was because they just walked up and they were like, oh, he's doing a podcast. Great. Doug, are you available? Or uh, Vic, are you available for dinner tonight? Like, yeah. I have to yeah. book for you. Here's your check, by the way. But it's like, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty obnoxious the whole time. I mean, there was at least four or five people that came up during the yeah, yeah I, I saw that i i saw the eyeballs look darting around and yeah. so, anyway that was our first first guest so uh yeah we'll see how it turned out yeah but that's the show oh 
no, it's not the show. I'm wrapping it up here and we're not done yet. Oh, we have the media portion. That's right. But we don't, I, normally you'd have your guitar out and uh, playing something. And... That was my guitar portion. Have you been uh, following any uh, media, reading anything? What you been up to, listening to? Taking in. Taking well, in. I was going to say, for me, I've been doing this wood carving class tour thing for the last few days. And so the gentleman who put this workshop on, I got up close and personal with his carvings because uh, he's teaching over down the road for me in this uh, big venue center. And he has a bunch of beautiful relief carvings. They're like scenes with like one is of a bear with its mouth open, you know, roaring. Uh, if bears roar, I don't know, growling. What do bears do? Anyway, it was amazing. Like, and I started to remember, holy crap, John is not playing around. His name is John Engler. And he comes from like a long line of, of wood carvers. His father was a wood carver, I believe his grandfather. And uh, they did a lot for the wood carving community. So you can check out John Engler. He actually puts on the Ozarks wood carving seminar. So if you're in town next year around this time, well, at this time it's uh, March 15th, uh, 2022. But uh, yeah, if you ever ha- get the chance and it's around March, uh, check out that event. Cool. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, seeing that today, like I love, I would love to attend something like that. Yeah, this is particularly cool, though. This is a good one. Yeah, yeah no, it's really cool. But before I give you my little media, I'm going to finish the uh, the mailbag that Alex skipped. I just went back and checked, and I said that doesn't seem like enough mailbag. I remember catching something here, and uh, Cody wants to know: Would we be willing to discuss our favorite oh, yeah. ways of hanging or mounting? Are cottonwood bark carvings on the wall. Like an example, picture hanging hardware or just drill a hole, hanging a nail. I've been working on smaller pieces and just glued magnets on the back. That works for tiny ones. My wife requested a spring theme carving for her desk at work, and the magnets will not work in this instance. I fear adhesive strips may not stick well to the back and the bark. I was trying to come up with ideas on how she could hang the carving on the wall. There you go. So, uh, Let her fly, because I have a couple couple uh, thoughts, but uh, I'll give you a chance to talk. Yeah, well, so he's kind of, he's asking about like the the mounts the mounting situation. The portable setup that I use is just this Workmate uh, bench. Well, I used to use the Workmate. No, no, nope. that clamps nope. onto That's not what he's asking. two two by fours nope. that are kind of like nope. uh, nope. together in an nope. A frame type structure. He's not listening. He's not that's listening. Not, oh, you, that's not that's not the question. Yeah. Mounting your finished product to the wall. Uh, Dude, right. Oh, look, I'm looking at the. Mm, okay. I'm this gonna, is something that I, I struggle with myself, but yeah. now, how do you affix your carvings to the wall? That's the yeah. question. Not not how when you're carving. Ah, uh, so the the fixture I use is really just a. Uh, a hole cut in the back, just a notch for the, yeah, uh, for the carving to hang on. Yep, yeah. So yeah. the problem that I found, I I I went back and forth on this too, I, and I did try the mounting hardware. Mounting hardware always has like a little alligator clip on the back, and uh, but it, there again, it keeps it away from the wall. Yeah. So it, it hangs out. You want something that fits tight. 
The problem with drilling a hole, especially on cottonwood bark, is you got to have that balanced perfectly to just drill a hole. So, for instance, uh, I have some with holes and they all sit crooked. So I went back, like Alex said, and I just put a little notch in the back of my carvings, but I made it an inch and a half so that you can find the balance point, right? And you can do that with a, a number 11. You can do that with a Dremel. You can just, it's just an undercut, longer, longer hole, right? Yeah, that's basically it. That's, that's basically it. It's the easiest way. Well, what I like about it, again, is that it, it goes... And keep your carving tight to the wall without having to hang it away by using wires or clips or you know yeah. picture hanging stuff uh yeah okay so i'm I'm reading this and i'm seeing he's saying uh mounting cottonwood bar i heard mounting cottonwood bar carvings wall and i'm thinking well you don't mount it to the wall silly you mount it to the picture <laughs> board <laughs> yeah yeah. So. yeah so there you go okay back to the the media totally not carving related in any way and the truth is i was away for four days watched next to no media whatsoever i just whittled and uh, ate and hiked but uh i found before i left it's called the the youtube channel is called box laps box b-o-x laps l-a-p-s-e and all it is is time lapses of all different kinds of plants growing from seed yeah. like a year's worth watching all these different kind of plants to start from a seed and then just growing over a year That's cool. it's amazing it's yeah. super cool he's got a whole bunch of videos and i pretty well watched everyone box laps box laps so i'll check that out very interesting yeah Done. So that's all I got. Yeah. Well, there you go, folks. So there you go, folks. A very, uh, very different uh, type of podcast today. Yeah. A little, little bit of this and that. And uh, yeah, we'll be back to normal next week with episode number 28. So thanks for hanging out with us this long. And uh, be well. Take your vitamins. Eat your, no, eat your time. vitamins. <laughs> I was going to say that. Eat your, that's right. The second time you already said that. So, yeah. all right, guys. Take it easy. Bye.